I am fantasy and paranormal romance author Leslie Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, March 5th, 2023, and this is episode 208 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. This episode is sponsored by Imaginary Worldbuilding, Creating Fictional Worlds for Writers. It's my new course that teaches you a framework from going from idea to manuscript while building an immersive, engaging world that readers will want to get lost in. Writers of all genres get overwhelmed with keeping track of everything they need to create an immersive world. And I've known plenty of writers who've spent months or years crafting really unique locations and cultures only to never finish the actual book. Imaginary world building is all about getting you through the writing stage with a vibrant world that is deeply connected to plot and character. You can start today and move at your own pace and, or you can join the cohort with weekly meetings with live Q and A and feedback. And it starts April 25th. Sign up for imaginary world building at myimaginaryfriends.net. So this week's best thing is the article that came out in the Washington City paper. I shared this on social media and it was really, really cool because when I went to Howard, Washington City paper was a thing that we always looked forward to. And even afterwards in the year that I lived in the area before I moved to California for graduate school. Um, yeah, always got the city paper every week, looked through it, trying to figure out what we're doing that weekend or even during the week, the movie reviews, the you know sh- concerts and shows all the art stuff. Um, So to be in the art section as an author was just amazing. And when I got the email, I was just super excited. Unfortunately, the paper is no longer in print. I think it was May of 2022 was their last print edition. So it's online only. So many newspapers are having uh, such a hard time. I'm happy they're actually still in existence at all. And they sent a photographer out to take a picture of me. So this picture, my mom and my brother really like it. I'm not such a huge fan of the picture, but I knew it was going to be like that because, you know, we met outside at this lake, uh, the lake near the Whole Foods, for those familiar with Columbia, Maryland. We always call it Lake Cucamonga, but that is not the name of the lake. And so it was warm enough that I didn't have to have a coat. It was probably in the 50s. So, but it was still cold enough that my face was cold. And then I was like, should I smile? And he was like, no, you should probably smize. So imagine this very lovely 60-year-old white man telling me to smize. which is not a thing that I can do. Many, many, many years ago, I did some modeling and I quickly found out that that was not for me. And this is well before America's Next Top Model. So if you're not familiar, smizing is smiling with your eyes, popularized by Tyra Banks on Top Model. I can't do that. So I realized I had no control over my face. I know what my face is doing when I'm smiling, which is why I prefer to smile in pictures. I don't know what my face is doing when I'm trying to smize. And it felt awkward. I feel like it looks awkward. I'm not a fan. But once again, my mom and my brother were like, oh, it's a great picture. I'm like, uh. But it's not the worst. I'm sure there were like worse options. He took a bunch of photos within this 15-minute period in various locations. Um, so it is what it is. Like, And this is not, I'm not trying to get fish for compliments or anything. Please don't. don't. Uh, I just, it's one of those things where like, okay, it's probably okay. It's not my favorite photo, but it's not the worst. It could have been a lot worse because the wind started blowing and my hair was everywhere. So I had to put my hair back (laughs) because it was down initially. Anyway, the article came out wonderful. There are people who like the photo. I'm happy with it overall. I will link to it in the show notes and the uh, newsletter. 
Also, something that wonderful that happened to a dear friend of mine, Cerise Freddie Murphy, she won the Kate Willem Solstice Award from SIFWA, the uh, Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association of America, or they changed the name. Anyway, she won this award for significant contributions to the science fiction, fantasy, and related genres community. And she told us about this a little while ago, and then the announcement came out this week, and I was just like one of those things where I'm deeply, deeply happy for someone, because I believe she really uh, deserves this. She's done so much work creating Virtuous Con, um, just always giving and such a generous soul and just one of my closest friends and I just love her so much and so I'm proud and happy for her. So my writing update. This week I got the feedback for Beastly Kingdom from the beta readers and I've been going through that. I have a very quick turnaround to implement the feedback that I feel is necessary and will uplift the book and then give it to the copy editor. So I was kind of evaluating that, reading through people's notes very, very grateful for the beta readers and really good, good comments. It's just a matter of what do I feel will like really move the needle? Like what are the little things, the low hanging fruit that I can hit quickly? And then if it's anything a little bit bigger, how do I want to deal with it? Evaluating the feedback that you get is a skill that you have to develop as a writer. Whether it's a beta reader or an editor, you're going to get things and you have to take it in you know, take it in with some level of humility. And hopefully if it's respectful feedback, that is not tearing you down, which, you know, I feel like I have good beta readers uh, for this. But yeah, I want their honest feedback. I was reading an article where it was like, yeah, if your beta readers just like, oh, I love it. Everything's great. They're not a good beta reader for you. Like they didn't have to like manufacture things that are wrong, but they should be able to find something that you can improve on. I don't think any book is perfect. Well, there is a perfect book out there. Uh, I honestly believe that maybe someday by Colleen Hoover is a perfect book. And I've said that before many years ago. I don't talk about Colleen Hoover much anymore because she's now a big deal. And it sort of feels like, you know, if you were there with the band before they were famous and everybody loves them and you're like, Ugh. my point is taking feedback as, a, as an author is a skill. And so I had to sit with it. I had to kind of look across and see if there's anything that are, that's echoed between multiple people. And at a certain point, and especially when you're writing with more aggressive deadlines, you have to be like, am I okay with this thing? Like this thing, I agree, it's probably a thing I could fix. Either I don't have time or energy or fixing it would take away from something I'm trying to do in the book. And I have to sit with it and be okay that if a lot of other people feel this way, which is very likely, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with seeing that in reviews if I choose to read reviews. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. Trying to fix everything that everybody sees as wrong is not the right thing to do. I do respect the time that my beta readers took to read and give feedback. And yeah, and there's a couple of things that I'm really thinking about and uh, we'll, be, we'll be trying to implement. So that's going well. It's just got to get through it. Also, regarding Beastly Kingdom, I thought I had changed the pre-order date on Amazon weeks ago. And I went in and I looked and it was still set for the end of March. And I was like, so I apparently there's like an extra button I had to click that I did not click. I thought I had clicked it or I clicked one button and not the next button, whatever. It hadn't been done. I did it this week. So Amazon people, um, if you pre-ordered it, you'll probably have gotten an email about uh, the pushing back to April 28th, the new release date. Yeah, I was kind of scared because I was like, I know I went in like weeks ago when I, I think when I first sent it to the beta readers, which would have been the beginning of the month or the, sometime in February. And 
it was just like kind of scary that I, I thought I did it and I didn't. So I have to double check everything now. I think the other retailers are okay. <sighs> it was much easier on Draft Digital, and I, have to, I haven't checked Google Play yet, but I don't know if there's even any pre-orders on Google Play. So yes, make sure you check, click all the buttons, and double check the date. Regarding the God of Silent Tears, I've been doing some good work. I got to a chunk uh, or a section where I could take a big chunk of draft one and just massage it. So I'm in the middle of that. I'm taking a few days off because I have to do Beastly Kingdom. And well, I, I took, I worked on it on Friday. I'm not working on it this weekend and we'll have to see how Monday goes. Definitely be back to it by Tuesday. And yeah, it's just, it's still going well. You know, um, this week I was planning the interstitials. So I have these interstitials, and if you've read The Monstrous Read of Five, I do it in, in that book also. They're very different here, and I actually am still working on them, so I don't know what they're going to be. But the idea is that they're from this supernatural character's perspective, who breaks in every few chapters and is going to have her own little arc, because she's a character that you see later in the main story. And at first, I've been pushing them off. Like, I don't know exactly how I'm going to approach them. I don't know this character's voice when she's telling these stories. There's so many unknowns. I just wanted to deal with the main story and come back at the end and deal with these interstitials. However, I got to a point where they're going to converge, and I really need to know what this character has said before I move forward. And so I'm like, oh, now I have to stop. Stop my forward motion, which is going really well, to figure a bunch of things out. And it feels like it's taking extra time. It would take probably the same amount of time. I would just do it at the end when I'd finished something. And I I guess having, if I'd finished the main storyline, I would have that sense of accomplishment that would push me into this section. But I really need to get more clarity on this section before I can actually finish the main storyline. So it's got me a little bit nervous. And part of it is that I know this character as the supernatural character, I don't know how she's going to relay what I want her to. So I want her to tell stories of the past, of things that have happened, and connect them to the present and to her own little mini character arc. I just have to sit with that and spend some time brainstorming. And I I started by going into onestopforwriters.com, doing a mini, not a character profile, they have a character arc progression worksheet on that site. And so I did that just trying to get in touch with what she wants, what she's afraid of. She's running from something. And I know what that is, but what is her plan? I might have to actually go into the worksheets I have for the course and do that because some of those actually would be helpful here. That is a good idea. That kind of stopped me. You know, everything in the main storyline is pushing forward and I know all of this stuff already, but I didn't know. And I'm the kind of writer that has to know a certain level of this kind of stuff, these emotional, internal arc stuff before I can write the external stuff. And just because it's going to be voicey, I'm trying to make it quote unquote voicey, give this character just a unique perspective. So voice is part how they speak, but it's part how they look at the world and what they notice. And really they're telling these stories, but how, what is their perspective on these stories? What is their agenda for telling these stories? And again, who are they talking to? Who are they telling the story to? This is first person. They're both of these narrators in the book are first person. And those are the things that I think about for that. So yeah, that is the work of writing happening. But as I mentioned, I am starting to feel stressed. We are 
a month away from the deadline for this book. And it's on track. It's good. I'm halfway through. I had two months. I got through the first half in one month. I, I have even more, you know, in the second half chunks that I can take from the uh, first draft and just massage them. Not as there's still a good amount of new new words, but it's, it'll be okay. I just have to do it. So I've been trying to really manage my stress, which I've been thinking about for a couple of months, knowing that I get to this point and I start having trouble sleeping. There were a couple of nights where I was waking up every hour, but I put some things into place that have been helping. So sleep is 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 help is um not so bad, not having the insomnia. So I've just been making sure I'm exercising a little bit more. Whereas I was doing like four, four days a week pretty consistently, sometimes five. I'm trying to push it to like six, maybe even seven. And one of those days is just like a yoga day. So it's not like intense exercise, but doing something. Because exercise helps. Lots of like breathing, doing kind of box breathing, or even there's different kinds of breathing. So box breathing is like, I think the same number of, like you count like breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold it for four seconds and repeat. Then there's the breathe in for four seconds, hold it for seven seconds, breathe out for eight seconds. There's all these different kinds of breathing. And there's actually an episode of the Andrew Huberman podcast on breathing that I started listening to. I still haven't finished any of his podcasts because they're like anywhere between two and five hours long. But if you breathe out longer than you breathe in, that is a de-stressing way to breathe. And I got that far in the podcast. So I've been trying to do that, like breathe in, hold, and then breathe out for longer than I breathe in, taking down some of the anxiety. Um, also, I started tapping, which I've done before. And you can find these tapping videos on YouTube. That's how I started. There's an app that I have also. And I was like, I'm just, I wasn't going to pay for the app, but I decided because I need it. I need like as much help as I can get. I paid for the app. It's called the Tapping Solution. And it's like this thing where you tap different points. There's They teach you how to do it. Like top of your head, eyebrows, side of the eye. And then you sort of go through this meditation kind of, or you repeat the words they say. But it has helped a lot. Like on the app, you can rate your stress level before and after, and it'll be like eight when I start. And at the end, I'm down to a four. And that's a huge, a huge help. And like I'm breathing better again. So I'm kind of, once again, throwing everything at the wall. Yoga Nidra, meditation. I got a massage. I get a massage every month, but my massage happened to be this week, which was very lovely and helped too. So just doing whatever I can to manage the stress that comes this close to deadline. Even though I'm feeling good about it, it's just that, yeah, like I'd feel better if I had it another two months, but I would I really? And if I needed to, you know, like there's, I don't think this book is on pre-order. I, it's possible to push back things, but um, I kind of have pushed it back already. So I feel good about meeting the deadline in a way, but it's still stressful. That is the point of all of this. And yeah, part of being a healthy writer is managing the stress, doing everything I can to stay healthy. And, you know, stress is a killer. Stress is very, very bad for you. So, Although there was another article, and if I can find it, it's in my database, my second brain database, about, oh yeah, I think it's going out in the footnotes newsletter anyway. This idea that we should only ever feel good feelings, that feeling anxious is wrong or bad. And it's something that we should always 
try to avoid, which isn't possible. The idea that your mind should always be peaceful and there's something wrong with you for being anxious, that is just not a way that humans can be. So this was a really good article. I think it's from a, on a Buddhist website or something. Yeah, tinybuddha.com. But it talks about these widespread commonly held beliefs that actually make your life worse. It says, experiencing anxiety is unpleasant. There's no denying it's a painful experience, but it's our beliefs and mental commentary about anxiety that cause most of the suffering. The fact that we think it's awful, that we hate it, that, we, that something's wrong with us. And so that commentary turns that feeling, which is natural, into suffering. And another quote, as long as you believe that certain thoughts are bad or wrong, that they shouldn't be there, and that there's something wrong with you for having them, you will continue to suffer. Not so much from the thoughts themselves, but because of your beliefs about them. And it has different um, ideas, different other false beliefs. I thought that this was pretty helpful. And yeah, I definitely am susceptible to that. Like I know stress, physical stress that takes a toll on your body and it's bad for you. But it's natural for me to be feeling anxious and stressed out because of the situation and not just work stress, like life stress is happening too. And all of those things, of course, I'm going to feel bad. And there's nothing wrong with trying to, you know, ameliorate those things and find ways to be healthier and manage them. But I shouldn't beat myself up because I'm in this state of mind, which is a very natural place to be. Now, I think like actual anxiety disorders are probably a different thing, but just I I feel like it was talking about regular life stressors and how to understand that you're not going to be peaceful and happy all the time. Life is tough and that's part of it. That's actually part of the beauty of it. Like you get through the tough times stronger, having built muscles that you didn't have before that were weaker before, and then you overcome them you know, you overcome the difficulty and you're better positioned and you're more ready to overcome the next difficulty that you are definitely going to face. So there's value in the valley. Recommendations for this week. I've started watching Poker Face, which is on Peacock. It's with Natasha Lyonne. It's sort of a mystery, but it's like a reverse mystery. So in this show, Natasha Lyonne has this ability to tell when people are lying and over the course of the show, she every, every week she solves a different mystery. She's like, goes from place to place. But the twist is of the show and the format is that the murder starts, is always at the beginning and you know who did it. The audience sees it happen. And so it's about her entering the situation and her figuring out and proving it. And it's just a twist on that normal procedural because I've also been watching Castle, the show that was on for like eight seasons with Nathan Fillion as um, a thriller writer who assists the NYPD on solving murders. And it's very procedural. It's always the same, which is very comforting in a way, which is why it's enjoyable and it's why I probably it lasted for eight seasons. But it's just, you know, the murder always is at the beginning, but we don't know, you know, we, that, that show always starts with the body in the beginning. Then the cops get called, then they investigate, then they find the killer. And it's fine. It's like the way all of those shows work. The fact that this one is different is, is refreshing, but it works. Because I, when my brother was telling me about it, I was like, so you already know who did it at the beginning? He's like, yeah, but it's still really cool. And it didn't make sense until I started watching it, but it is. It works. I like it. And there's really great actors every week, a different, a different cast of characters. Um, so P Poker Face on Peacock, I recommend that. I've watched the first three. We also went to see Tar again in the theater. So I had seen it first, rented it, and... My family went to see it. And after 
a bunch of people in the theater who stayed and are chatting about it, like a bunch of strangers. It's the kind of movie that you want to stay and talk about with people sitting next to you. Like, what did we just see? And so me and my brother had seen it for the second time. And I still, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, so much to think about. And maybe just because he's an actor, I was a filmmaker. The film is just so carefully made. Everything, the sound design, you know, every part of the lighting, every frame, really good. But I could definitely understand people not liking it because <laughs> it's a difficult one. But I think it was very inspiring. I think it was helping me fill the well. I, maybe that's why I felt I felt like it was very strong, um, well-filling material because it's just so much creativity and so much care and love taken with that story. And I've also been reading Real by Kennedy Ryan, which is really good. Um, it is contemporary romance about Hollywood making a film and this lead actress and the director who are not supposed to fall in love, um, but of course they fall in love. And I haven't finished it yet, but I've been advised that the dark moment is not stressful, which is one of the reasons why I picked it up to read it. I mean, Kennedy Ryan is, you know, a, a wonderful writer. And so it's a very good book. I am enjoying it quite a lot. So real, check it out. And yes, events coming up. Um, if you're in the DC area, March 18th, 2023, I'll be at Mahogany Books for a Black Woman in Fantasy Evening with Veronica G. Henry and Nicole Glover. I'm really excited about this. This should be a lot of fun. We're celebrating Veronica's new release, The Quarter Storm. Or is that the first one? No, the new one is The Foreign Exchange. So it's uh, the, the series, the detective series with this um, voodoo practitioner who was solving mysteries, solving murders. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun to meet up with those ladies in person. And then in a April 1st, I'll be in New York at the National Black Writers Conference Biennial Symposium, moderating a panel. Uh, so that should be fun, too. Lots of other events. They keep coming. People keep asking me to speak, which actually, I know it's getting long, but I have been thinking a lot about marketing and, you know, the Becca Sign workshop that I went to and talked about last week. And also there's an article about quitting social media. I'm not going to quit social media, but I don't want to add to the noise. And I've been thinking about ways to just do my marketing more meaningfully for me and take the advice of this other article about creating your own luck by doing more things and telling people about them. I'm fine with doing things. Telling people about them is always the hard part. In this article that I read that will be in the newsletter, uh, in the show notes, this woman with a business, quit social media entirely, very purposefully, and over the next two years made more money than she ever had because she took that time that, you know, the opportunity cost and diverted it to other means. And those means were more like person-to-person -person networking, more speaking events, more, I don't know if it was cold calling, which is whatever industry she's in, but personal connections, focusing on that and the public speaking. And so, I get a lot of speaking requests. I don't mind it. I actually like it, even though I'm an introvert. I do like talking in front of people. So whether I'm giving workshops for writing groups or presenting at conferences and things like that, I don't mind doing that. I enjoy that more than social media, although it's harder. And and you, I think about, well, social media is free, but is it free? Because it costs time and it costs energy and it takes away time and energy that I could be using for other things that I might enjoy more. And that if I become better at them, do less, but be better and focused and be like, take my strengths and use them in that direction. 
could it have more of an impact? And thinking about that. So yeah, even though I, I, I'm not a huge fan of social media, I would like to figure out a way to do it in a way that is less noisy and adds more value. And I think the posts I was doing for, for Black History Month were like that. And kind of thinking about moving forward, you know, how to keep that same energy, how to keep that same value and usefulness and, you know, the way that Joanna Penn thinks about her body of work. Are my social media posts part of my body of work? Because I think my my workshops, the course, speaking, that is part of it. It's part of what I'm creating in the world and what I'm giving to people. So I think I just need to schedule some time to think about that. Schedule that thinking hour that I keep skipping and just muse on that. Think about how I can do it better and more purposefully. So that is it for me for this week. My goals for the week, get this um, Beastly Kingdom, the edits made, keep working on The God of Silent Tears, keep pushing it forward, adding more words. I'm at 50-something thousand words. I closed Scrivener, so I can't tell you the exact number. And that's because I added a bunch that I have to still go and edit, but not a whole lot of new, new, new stuff. And yes, I will talk to you next week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriends.net. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. Email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.